Welcome to the Crew 3 Podcast. Rose Ruckman, with these always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky Jones. Say hello. Hello. What's up? It's ASMR Jeff hello. Right in the ASMR hellos. Mm-hmm. All right. What is going on, everyone? So this week, uh, we are going to start our sort of crash course prep for RC Dallas here in just a few weeks. So to start off this week, we're going to cover kind of the four main decks the four right now, and then we're going to get you covered on everything else you need to know about in your prep. Uh, this will not be trying to really tell you what decks you should or should not be playing because, as always, play the deck you have most experience with. So, uh, But if you're still a modern player that's never played this format, listen up. You might find a deck that uh, matches what you want to play, but it's probably Rakdos Midrange because the deck's almost the same thing as modern now, too. Yep. True. Big true. Or you could salt off on Twitter and just complain about Pioneers only about the, the die roll and just give up. Tank your yeah. chances, have no hope, and instead of uh, skilling up, I, I, I do think the die roll is very important in Pioneer. I, I don't think I've ever chosen to format. play. Yeah. I think I've chosen to play second one time in a game of Magic ever, and it was yeah. uh, it was a sealed format where it was slower. Um, sure. Otherwise, if you go second in the game of Magic, you are inting to use a League of yeah. Legends term, uh, and until that changes, I think the whining is all just noise, right? Sure. I think so, like. Hearthstone, uh, you uh, okay? I'm ready. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have chosen multiple times in competitive Magic to go second. Uh, you want to go second in the ad nauseum mirror. You and I be back for that. That's why huh? I stopped the hype train. I stopped the hype train so you could talk about the ad nauseum mirror. Yes. Wow. My opponent did We're not. We're taking understand. applications for co-host on Crew Three Podcast. Oh uh, my god, <laughs> Ricky's out in the alley now. Look, you know, I I was thinking earlier today. That Papa John warned us when he ate forty pieces in thirty days, yeah. and the day of reckoning was coming. And yeah. I think this is it. This is, this might be it. <laughs> oh my god, you guys! You remember? I also, you, I also hold on, no, 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 no. On. hold on. Do you remember that though? When Papa John was doing the interview, just being like, yeah. "Oh, those new CEOs—they're not pizza people. They should yeah. be in jail." Yeah, the I remember day of the reckoning day of reckoning. is coming. Yeah, right. Shaquille O'Neal wasn't there yet. You know, right? I ate forty pizzas in the last thirty days. And I've yeah, and he was tracking them on maps yeah. with a string. Yeah, it's a uh, it's you know it's wild out there in the pizza world. You know, yeah. You gaze into the pizza oven, and the void gazes back. You know, the day of reckoning is coming. Point is, Anyways. you know what I know. What everybody knows it. You always choose to go first in the, in the game match together. The tempo is really important. They didn't invent something like the coin, which somewhat helps in Hearthstone. Hearthstone, you still choose to go first, but I think the coin balances it out. Point is, everybody chooses to go first. Uh, until I see hardcore data that says that Pioneer is like, you're way more likely to lose or something, you know? Don't get me wrong, decks are pretty linear, but... But actually, in modern, mm-hmm. yeah, you right. can go second, and... Uh, so you have all these free spells. When you play your Ragavan on the, on the, on the draw, right. it's right. fine, because you right. can also... I don't know. What else do modern players do? Oh, I don't know. Eat hot chip and lie. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say go bowling. I mean, there's cool stuff going on in the modern right now. Scales is like a top deck, which you know has me and Nate uh, excited. So I don't. I'm I'm off of the. I don't think modern's a terrible format or anything. I just think that the complaining about Pioneer when Pioneer doesn't cost a million dollars to build the deck has a, a a decent amount of open options. Although a lot of people choose to play Rakdos, like a lot of the dialogue I've seen around Pioneer makes does not make a lot of sense. And again, for your local event, there are so many more options for Pioneer 
that do well. Like Ricky's been bringing spice every Tuesday. You can follow Ricky at also Steve to hear about the times he goes second in Magic the Gathering all one time right. that he did it. And, no, 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 no. Uh, we, we have some big news to talk about this week. And and you can see all the spicy brews he brings on Tuesdays and destroys people with, right? I mean, we've seen Storm decks. We've seen him bring various scissor decks, whether it was blue-white. Uh, the, the, the Convoke deck is actually good when better players actually put real time mm-hmm. into it. Like sure. Doomwake. Doomwake right. took out... I mean, they didn't... They don't know I exist, but... They took right. out the bad cards I was playing and played way better cards and played yeah. the Convoke deck I was playing. So before we before we get to Ricky's big news, there is some big news I did want to talk about real quick. Sure. Okay. So I don't this know is, if you this guys is the stuff seen. you didn't tell me about, right? This is the stuff you were saying. Yeah. This is the prize. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. I'm ready. I don't know if you guys have heard the rumors or not, but allegedly Tupac is alive. Well, we already knew that. Uh, okay. He's hanging with JFK and, Michael Michael and Elvis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Elvis. Yeah, yeah. They're all together. Uh, they're waiting for the fifth band member to show up. Once Kurt yep. Cobain gets there, it's going to be great. Right. Uh, but anyway, allegedly, Fast and Furious 10 is not the first of a two part finale. Allegedly, we are adding one more to the slate, and this is the beginning of. Of a truly of a finale trilogy. That's right. We're not just getting fast ten and eleven. We're getting fast ten, eleven, and twelve. Hashtag. I blessed. think you mean fast X, fast X two, and fast X three. Hold on. Is fast twelve just going to be triple X? Yes. Again. Exactly right. <laughs> it's just going to be triple X. That's exactly right. You, you know I, well, like, you have to think about it, right? I mean, this we're going to cover this more when we actually like this year we unlock the Ruckman deep dives into Fast the Furious lore. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you it's think about it, right? Like, this, this coming weekend, Fast 10? It comes out soon. Um, this weekend when we're all going to be on. in one location? On. When we could all be hit by a meteor at the same time? <laughs> It does oh. come out this weekend. No. <gasps> Boys, we're going to join La Familia Saturday night. Oh <laughs> Look, Chris, oh. if you qualify for Atlanta, you don't have to go to the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to yeah, tell never. you that Fast 9 gave us ludicrous in space. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you've Which got something I thought I wanted to hear about. And see well, until I heard it like, was the Fast Furious. Back, back to the Fast Furious Depot, though. It was like, Fast One, right? Vin Diesel's there, sets up the franchise, and he goes, no, no, no. I got to go be Xander Cage. Paul Walker, this is your franchise. Then we get Two Fast, Two Furious, Tokyo Drift. Franchise is doing great. Triple X, not doing so great. So Vinny D's like, I'm tired of being the babysitter or the nanny. Who's the nanny? Not the babysitter, the nanny. And, the pacifier, uh, right? It's, no, it's, was it the pass? It was the pacifier. It was yeah, the past. Jackie Chan is in tuxedo. He's in tuxedo. But anyway, then Vin Diesel's like, fast four, I'm back in. Is Hulk and Hogan and Mr. Mom? He is, in, he is Mr. Mom, yeah. Yeah. And the Suburban Commando. <laughs> and Muscle Santa, I think? I, You know what? My lore ends there. That sounds like a movie that I had to go into a back room to find. Uh, also, the big show played a Santa in... Uh, Jingle All the Way. There you Jingle go. All the Way is the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to get the it, toy, right? It is, yeah. And when he goes to the illegal Santa f- toy factory, the big oh, Santa... Yeah, it's the, is big, the big show. Big, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Santa with Muscles is the Hulk Hogan Christmas movie. 
Anyway, brother, what, here's the podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, ma- magic time. Ricky, we, do you want to yeah, we'll offer our takes on uh, Fast Ten next week? Tune in to next week's episode for sure. Tell all your friends about it. Cruthy reviews. Fast Ten. Uh, guys, I'm really good at Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Football Occasionally, sport. I am good at this game. And I went to a two-slot March of the Machines mom-sealed PTQ. RC Featuring game. Aftermath. No, no featuring Aftermath. I touched an Aftermath, like, uh, like collector pack at Target this weekend, and it hurt me. <laughs> I didn't buy it. I just picked it up, and I thought, ow, that hurts. Put it back. <laughs> Put it back. It cursed you. I don't want that. Uh, yeah. Jeez. And then, I thought about buying a mom, and then I thought about buying a mom collector pack and realized this set has no value if you don't have a serial card. This set has pretty good value. It's all right. It's not. Um, Ricky, how'd your sealed go? Phyrexia. Uh I thought it was over at the very yeah. beginning. Oh, I no. figured we were we were doomed from the start when we opened every five color rare. Yeah, literally. Arms of an angel starts playing both of them: Niv Mizzet and uh, Invasion of Alara, which are sweet cards if you have any form of fixing. But uh, in Wizards, in all their insight, decided to. Uh, Make it so you could open basic lands instead of dual lands in this set. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, you have to write in on the deck sheet all of the legends that you open. There's too much paper. It would be too much paper. Like, because there's 50 more legends cards or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so that's annoying. That is yeah. straight up frustrating. Those are also legendary card names. They have a lot of text. Right, right. It's never just like Bob. You know, right. it's like Michael Sarah, the unbelievably crazy good demon slayer. Exactly. Michael right. Sarah is an incredibly good demon slayer. I've never, I know Shia LaBeouf. He's a cannibal. Yeah, he is. Uh, Tiamat chosen by death. Harobi right. Shinobi deaths. <laughs> like death whale. Death whale. Yeah. Um... You know, all sorts of wild cards that you have to write in yourself. This yeah. was this was deck registration extreme. But right. uh, anyways. Well, the card does say ages 12 and up on it, right? It's That's true. Right. I can't spell. Um, so I thought it was over. I thought it was all ogre. Uh, but we managed to play blue-black commons good enough yeah, uh-huh. uh, to do pretty well. Uh, we did lose to somebody who had... Uh, Multiple Praetors and Scytherix, and then after beating me with their Jund deck, uh, showed me that also they're not playing the Sunfall they opened. Of course, yeah. They were like, I just couldn't make the mana work for Sunfall. Wish I could find space for it. Yeah, right. Uh, I then play against somebody who uh, I beat in game one, and then game two, I misplay pretty hard. Okay. Uh, they attacked the uh, invasion that flips into an anthem with four creatures. I blocked with my three creatures, and the one creature I didn't block is the double strike Kithkin. Oh, oh no! no. And the, the invasion has only one health on it, so oh, he just like strike. I go. Flips These are my blocks. My opponent goes, "Really, dude? Those are your blocks?" And he literally just looks at me and goes, 
I mean, those are the blocks I would make if I was making you block because that's the best <laughs> right. block for me ever. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, proceeds yeah. to take two minutes to just like anybody who is observing the game, not playing. Look at this guy. Like, Look at this guy. Literally, he was like, "Wow!" Like I can't believe. Yeah. You know, this you guy's are, looking for a Turbo Man doll. Yeah, the biggest <laughs> ignoramus that's ever right. lived. Right. Uh, however, like, even though I did lose all that combat, uh, one of the cards that died was Ingo Runeyes, and three cards died, so I drew three cards, and then proceeded to still win that game. Wow. Uh, with just commons and uncommons that draw cards. Yeah. And, You had uh, to make it easier for opponent, because you're just, was too powerful, you know? That person was very, uh, you know, upset, but I will say that the truest combo in all of existence is Taunt to get bodied. So yeah. maybe don't dunk on your opponents when they make misplays. Just accept the good fortune that your opponent is absolutely stupid and can't read cards, right? Right. And move on, right? Anyways, uh, so then I fight with my commons to a uh, four and one going into the last round. Get paired to the undefeated. So definitely safe to draw, right? However, guy who dunked on me is friends with the person who is undefeated. Oh, uh, yeah. So the guy who is undefeated is like, we're going to play because if I beat you, I can knock my buddy in. Right? Yeah, sure. Sure. And uh, his uh, his buddy who dunked on me earlier is very happy to announce uh, to my face that there's no way I can win. Oh, which wow. Is definitely oh. one of my favorite things to hear while playing Magic the Gathering. Got Anyways, down. I beat the undefeated 2 real fast. Right, 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 right. Real fast beat that guy 2 0. Um, so then I get to go into the draft first seed. Right. So we're drafting cards. Does that matter for I, draft at all? It means I get to be on the play. You get to be on the, the play, games. sure. Yeah, yeah. So I know mm-hmm. I want to draft something aggressive. Yeah. I'm going to be on the play every single game. Uh, I'm sitting next to guy who dunked on me, who did make it, right? Yeah, right. Uh, I, like, took some, like, white cards that were bad. Not bad, but they were decent. Notice, like, he's got two white double-faced cards in his pool, like, that he's drafted. And then I, like, just get past the red-black uncommon, pick five, take it, the one that lets you sack and draw. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then get past another one and take it. Okay. And uh, then just proceed to commit to red black. Pack two, I open Archangel Elspeth. Fastest ship in my life. Took a red black uncommon invasion and passed the pack. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Two, the guy who dunked on me earlier, who was very happy to, in this competitive called draft where everybody is supposed to be quiet, look at the pack and go, oh my God, you're like the best ever guy. <laughs> you're welcome, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Enjoy yeah. it. Right. 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 Get paired to the guy who made me play uh, the in the last round. Right. Uh, stomp they him another cross me, right? Is, that's still how it works, right? You play they were, cross they were catty corner, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. They actually sat us wrong for the draft. They sat us in seed order. Oh. Uh, lots of things got messed up in the top eight. Anyways, I literally beat him in 10 minutes. My deck is insane. Yeah. Right. Just run him over. Yeah. Uh, then I get to sit around for an hour yeah. where I watch guy with Elspeth proceed to just lose to good cards oh, that aren't yeah. Elspeth. Right. Right. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of say that like rares ain't everything, you know? Sure. 
And, uh, you know, we just uh, played against the guy who beat me earlier, and he was a great person. Uh, he, he was like, I feel like I got carried by my rares in my sealed pool, and I'm not excited to play you. I was like, it's okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you can still win. It's a game of magic. Battle it up, right. Um, I did stomp him 2-0. Um, and then, uh, and then like, Narrated. waited. It was another... not okay. I mean, it was like, both my matches in top eight were just 10 minutes. Right. I just had just like, done. every yep. red-black aggressive card and all the removal. Throw up Arcane on the phone on Netflix, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just sitting there waiting. And then finally, the last guy is done, and it's a two-slaughter, so we just chop it up. Nice. But, man... I love this limited format. Yeah. Whew. Huge Take job. Red Congrats Black. to Ricky. Congrats Already to got Ricky. the qualification heading into next season. Missed one as we all did for this upcoming RC, but that's going to be too much fun with the boys anyway in our own backyard. So, oh, yeah. You know, I'm not. I haven't missed call. it yet. I haven't missed it yet. Oh, yeah. Buddy. Y'all are LCQing. Yeah. I am. I'm I am just saying. Assuredly not. I am just saying. I ain't missed it yet. You know? You know those are like you, old guys that you're always going to play the. If you're like an LCQ, you're going to play the 10K on Sunday, right? I don't think so, man. I think whatever I showed you is in Dallas is going to be a lot less after I leave that town. You know? <laughs> That's what I can say. I mean, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. News, I just checked my Cinemark account. I've got enough credits on my account to take all the boys to Fast 10 right oh, this week. It's wild. <laughs> We're going oh, to the finest Cinemark. I want to sit right in row one, right? Yeah, right. I want right to be the- able to reach out to the speakers and feel Vin Diesel's familias through yeah. my bones. Yeah. You know? Um, also, hey, real t- real talk real quick before we start talking more Pioneer. Uh, you know what's kind of the biggest in the Solomon Aftermath? Ready. On Arena... They are full-sized arena packs at the normal yeah. price. Oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! What? Let me tell you. They, they just have mom, they have they have mom cards like the Multiverse Legends in them. They are full-sized yeah. arena packs. Wild. And then in the draft, you just like they just take out another common to put one aftermath card in every pack. I'm I'm opening up arena right now. <laughs> arena Arena has the best version of aftermath. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna load it up and and, and check this out. See you know for myself real quick. Actually, frustrating. What's that? There's no aftermath card in aftermath. No. Wow, huge huge design miss. Well, Dre Dre has a trademark on it. Right. <laughs> uh, Mero, please. Um. Like, oh, also, no, no, also Rosewater is too busy answering uh, illegal Infinity Commander questions on Twitter yeah. to do anything uh, else in the game. Also, I guess the news that we are recording too early to talk about, but while if we need to, we'll include a little bit, and we'll post record a little bit to include on the show. Um, Tuesday or t- tomorrow, from when we're recording, but Tuesday this week, they're going to have on Weekly MTG a discussion about uh, standard and potentially other formats receiving scheduled bandless updates again. Four mm-hmm. more years. And yeah. also going over some of the band philosophy of the format. So I'm sure we might pump in a little bit here to talk about that that discussion. If not, yeah. we'll talk about it next week. If it's nothing – if it's something too substantial for Pioneer, we'll talk about it next week. If it is something involving Pioneer, we'll talk about it like around now, I guess. Boom. Put it here. 
All right, put it here. Um, anyway, let's talk about Pioneer getting ready for Dallas and all the things you need to do besides meeting us at Bucky's, which will we'll have we'll there are two Bucky's close by. We'll pick a date. Well, it's gonna be Thursday night for sure. We'll pick a time which Bucky's and we'll tell you guys next week's up on next week's episode. So um, for the, the Bucky's meetup. Attached to every hotel room, there is this really interesting contraption called a shower. Yes. <laughs> In there, you may find tiny soaps or sometimes a soap jail. <laughs> Use the soap in the soap jail. If your hotel has the tiny soaps, maybe bring some of your own soap. Or ask for more from the hotel. Right. Please bring a, please bring a change of clothes so that you can leave the furry suit in your car or yeah. in your hotel room. See, I wasn't going that far. I'm going to regular clothes to the Bucky's body so spray. Is right. not a substitute for showering, right? <laughs> but little baby, he he he's on the new axe thing. He wrote a he he made an anime uh, that I have to watch. Oh my gosh, it's uh, a real thing. Up, if you go to the left in Walmart, not to the right where like the food stuff is, right? If you go to the left, you can ask somebody if you need help. Uh, there's a there's an aisle with deodorant. Pick anyone. Anyone that comes in a bar or gel form that isn't a spray-on, and yeah. please apply. I'm not saying that our listeners need to hear this. I'm just shouting to the void. Our listeners already know this. Our listeners have the Millennium Puzzle soap on a rope. You know? That's right. <laughs> they brought the Dirt Devastator pack from Yu-Gi-Oh. Still one of the best products I've ever seen for a card game. It's really good. Wash <laughs> the masses. Exactly. You know? Our listeners do uh, be chilling. Yu Gi Oh actually has like a cleanliness policy, right? No, I'm almost Yu-Gi-Oh? positive they do. Yeah, I think Yu Gi Oh has a cleanliness policy on like magic. Hold on, Yu Gi Oh has a cleanliness policy on magic. No, no, no. On they like... have like a hygiene policy. Oh, okay. What about Pokemon? Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah, Yu Gi Oh's hygiene is starting in 2019. Yu Gi Oh turns to penalize players for being smelly. Uh, yeah, April 30, 2019. This is a new section requiring all persons to uh, where to go, where to go, where to go. Require all persons to attend a tournament to be clean and wear clean clothing. There you go. So you can bring Maggie, and Maggie can be unbathed. That's right. Ooh. All persons, not cats. All persons, not kitters. <clears throat> if we can sneak that cat into <laughs> there's no that way convention one. She'll murder everyone. Yes. There she is. All non-Ruckmans. That's right. All, all non That's right. Her and, her and Marilee get along now. It's wild to see her, like, positively interacting with another human being. Look at her right there. <laughs> there she is. She's right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fluffing around. She will not be there this weekend when other people are in the house. She will just hiss from corners. <laughs> yeah, she, she'll hide in the office. Yeah. Anyway, pioneer time. Pioneer time. Pioneer time. All right. Real I think, quick, I think that, that washing up PSA was almost more important than the deck you bring. Oh, assuredly so. Uh, <laughs> real quick, we're going to take a look at this weekend's one challenge that happened, and then we'll, we'll go over kind of like the top five decks I think uh, people should really f- focus on going in. And then, like I said, next week we'll cover like all the other decks in and out. Uh, so real quick, in fifth place we have – Jacob Pablo with Rakdos mid-range. Seventh place, we have Tyus M on Azorius Spirit. Sixth place, 
movie maker on Mono Green Devotion. Uh, fifth place, Martos on Rakdos Midrange. Fourth place, Makudo86 on Rakdos Midrange. Third place, Up Umpa89 on Azorius Control. Second place, Misplaced Ginger on Rakdos Midrange. And first place, Claudio bringing it back with Niv to Light featuring, I believe, one of the new Niv Mizzet? Yeah, one of Niv Mizzet Supreme. Um, and Claudio had the sick play of, I'm going to play this Niv Mizzet and I'm going to flashback Cruelties of War against Ginger. I, I believe it was against Ginger in the finals. Cruelties, casualties of War? Casualties of War, yeah. Ooh, that's sick. Ooh, floating in the air. All right, so uh, we've got a bunch of Rakdos. We've been having a real big Rakdos kickback lately. Uh, Nykthos Ramp, Azorius Spirits. You love to see it. Love to see Azorius Spirits here uh, over in the top eight. They can let them know. Get these I'm rogues cards. Of all the Rakdos decks, though, because some of them are not. Some of them are. Oh, some of them are labeled sacrifice. Some of them are like because the sacrifice decks in like the meta breakdown. Yes. Get labeled as mid range. As mid range, yeah. Because like you can but tell because this is why MTG Goldfish is a funny website. Um, on the like meta breakdown, it says like Rakdos is like twenty eight percent or something of the meta, but then it says like top cards in Rakdos, Mayhem Devil. It's just like yeah, wrong, wrong one. Right. Yeah, but I think this challenge is actually all well. The top eight is definitely all mid range. Right. They are. So I mean. Nothing new here, and I think this really leads into uh, kind of our talk on top pills of the format, uh, especially when you look at this week compared for a while now. Uh, Rakdos just kind of really kicked everything else to the curb this week. I know um, looking and discussing um, the current tier list for playing playing Pioneer this week, um, Rakdos placed 12 more copies then second place is mono green. Um, so, I mean, let's let's start the conversation that we're talking about best decks or top decks in the format. I mean, there's no avoiding, no matter what format you look at, really, Raptor's midrange right now. I, I, I do want to bring up that I think this close, we are, you know, again, about two weeks from the RC. There's a lot of names on here that I don't recognize, right? A lot of people that I have never seen before. And we cover this format every single week, right? We look at challenges. And again, some of these people are probably a little top eight before and I just missed them. But I suspect that a lot of players in this challenge are trying to get some some practice in. And they're trying to play the best deck, which is Rakdos. So I, I think that for the next week or two, Rakdos is going to be overrepresented, which is why I think you see a Claudio who's coming in on a deck that he plays all the time. And, you know, obviously misplaced Ginger, Rakdos, Mastermind, but still yeah. was able to, to slay this field of Rakdos as the better mid-range slash over-the-top deck. A lot of those players probably didn't know Rakdos mid-range that well, because while there's a lot at the top, there's also a lot all the way at the bottom, right? 26th, 27th, and 28th are all Rakdos mid-range, um, 30th and 32nd. So there's a ton of Rakdos mid-range in general. It's scattered all throughout the, the top 32 that we see. So it's not like it's all heavily towards the top. I suspect it's a lot of players that didn't know the deck very, very much as well. Your point is still perfectly correct. Rakdos midrange is a pillar of the format for sure, but I do think it was overrepresented this week. I think this Claudio list is kind of absolutely wild too. Like definitely tuned towards what they're like thinking they're going to see here, you know? Like, I mean, like Yasharn and two Clothis main deck, right? Yeah. Like, we're looking for, like, I don't know, like, the sack decks are also, like, turning off the uh, the blood tokens and stuff like that, right? 
Yeah. Cards like Leyline are also just so good against um, Rakdos to begin with. Like, the five-color decks, they they do generally just have good Rakdos matchups because, again, leveraging things like Leyline Binding and even Chain of the Rocks and some of these, match- some of these decks, um, they're just really good against the Rakdos decks, and they're just um, coming at an angle that Rakdos can't generally deal with. You can play Feed the Swarm, but really you can't kill enchantments in Rakdos. Yeah, I mean, do you want to feed the swarm and pay five life to blow up a leyline or six life to blow up a leyline binding? Play uh, invoke despair, right? Yeah, that destroys an enchantment in black for some reason. Yeah, uh, but it, let's let's get let's talk about Rackers mid range here, and we'll talk about sort of the um, again so the the avenues that the deck is combating on. Uh, so generally, you're going to look at a lot of cards that provide additional value outside of their normal casting cost. So you look at things like um, Blood Tithe Harvester, which will make a blood token. It's a it's a decent beater on its own. It's a removal spell. You have Bone Crusher Giant. It's two cards in one. Cards like Graveyard Trespasser, Misery Shadow, Croxa. Uh, and then, of course, you have the big one in, like, Shieldred and Field of the Mirror Breaker. These are cards that are going to generally generate you additional mana outside of that first initial investment. And every card here is doing, I feel like, something above rate, right? And it also... The other big thing here is your main boarding for Thoughtseize. Of, of one of, you know, we talked early on in the beginning of this episode about how um, people want to hammer how much play draw matters. It is really the intrinsic to Pioneer. Uh, obviously, Thoughtseize is a card people think of where, um, yeah, if you mulligan and your opponent turn one Thoughtseize is you, that's a tough beating. But at the same time, Thoughtseize is a card where if you're on the draw and you are playing a Thoughtseize deck, it helps you get ahead of being on the draw because you can take your opponent's two drop. You can take their big setup piece card. So that's another reason why decks like Rakdos are so powerful and so good in this format is um, when they are playing their game, even if they're on the draw, that extra power their cards bring and cards like Thoughtseize help negate that being on the back foot as the match starts. Yeah, there, there's no there's no free cards in Pioneer. And so I do think that also having that information is so crucial because, again, in Pioneer, you primarily win by attacking. There are some Planeswalkers, but nowhere near as many as many of the other formats right now. Um, obviously, Sagas have come into play more in Standard, but still, right? Way less Planeswalker dominance, way more winning by attacking. Even your control decks are like, yeah, I'm going to make Shark Typhoon tokens or I'm going to do whatever other nonsense, right? Win with the Man Lance or something like that. So I think in the in the things where like, hey, we're, we're trying to land like a, a really powerful threat. Obviously, in the last couple of years, a couple of cards have been printed that are incredibly strong. Um, Grease Fang, Shieldred, you know, things like that that are super important. Thoughtseize has like almost become better than it was at the start of the format. And it was really, really good at the start of the format. Shieldreds are $73. Yeah. I think I'm making a uh, commander deck. Based on yeah, stuff. thinking about it, I know it's not going to be powerful, but you know, cool. Like, what next? Anybody have any other uh, Rakdos thoughts? I, I mean, look, it's just sort of a bunch of cards that all are the most efficient at what they do, and ways that like they are like even their lands, like they get so much value off of their lands. Um, they have uh, normally about four like three to four man lands. And then also they play like two to three castle lock that can draw them more cards. Right. Of course, so can Zan and uh, the uh, Takanuma. Takanuma. Yeah. Can also just like turn your land drop into more cards. Right. 
uh, like Fable lets you dig through your deck. It gives you a token. It gets you uh, a really powerful creature on the back. Bankbuster draws you three cards and then is a threat. Yeah. Like everything is just, it's just efficiency. I, I don't, nothing is like, it's super weird. Cause it's like, these are just like the best cards in the format for just winning the game. Yeah. Just straightforward. It's sort of super stupid to say, but it's like this deck just puts on pressure and disrupts really well. Yeah. I mean, especially when you start looking at like, what is the sideboard plan for Rakdos, right? Well, they're either going to bring in like duresses or they're going to have a better removal suite, whatever the matchup needs, right? They're, this is a deck that like really has a big transformational sideboard plan. They aren't like, well, I'm going to take out like a bunch of cards at once. Usually it is like, okay, this rule suite is better. This hand disruption is better. Get the removal out. Um, we'll need a couple more pieces of like card advantage if we're bringing like extra bank busters and stuff like that. Um, the deck does not have big swingy turns and the deck can be rough if you fall behind, mm-hmm. right? Like if you have your removal and no pressure or you have your pressure and no removal, you can fall victim to either being like outswung, like outraced if you just have pressure and no removal or give your opponent enough time to spin wheels that they get themselves back into the game. Yeah. So but like, a lot of decks in pioneer, in my opinion, they have key turns or they're looking for like a big kind of play that will generate them enough advantage to kind of snowball the game from there. And they're trying to either like work towards that uh, in a way, but Rakdos is not that kind of deck. Rakdos is like, I want to play a thought seize or a removal spell on turn one I want to play one of my two drops on turn two. I would like to play like another two drop and a removal spell on turn three and turn four. I want to play Shieldred and then win the game. Yeah. Right. Threat density is very important. Also like black has access to some of the best sideboard cards in the game. Right. I think I've said for a while and you guys can disagree with me, but I think, I think you'll mostly agree that I think white and black have the best sideboard options in magic, at least in pioneer right now. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Many options you have to either protect your own stuff, or in the case of black, right, we've got hand disruption. If you want additional hand disruption, there are so many options for that. Obviously, more creature remover, whatever you're playing against, black can do it because you can either disrupt spells via the hand, destroy creatures. Um, again, you don't have a ton of ways to destroy artifacts and enchantments. It's the one weakness, but the hand disruption and creature disruption, as well as you know, removing threats from your opponent's deck, whatever you might need. You get a lot of options there. So your sideboard tools are also incredibly effective against whatever you want to tune your deck against, you know, you can kind of be there. Again, I do I think Ricky's right. I think you are a little weak to decks that are just going to constantly present threats, whether they can overwhelm you or present better threats. We've seen consistently, especially with hey, when Oda got banned, the threats seem to be better than the answers because if you pack your deck full of threats, eventually they're gonna run out of answers, right? They can't just be all answers. They have to slow down and present a win condition themselves. So I feel like threat-dense decks can go over the top of your Rakdos decks, but you have the perfect mix of really, really good threats, and you can fill the rest of the deck out with really good removal, and uh, it's it's so, been a staple for a long time. So if Rakdos you're paired against... Goes, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, so if you're paired against Rakdos, like, what are what are some things to try to do in the matchup, try to beat, to try to win the Rakdos matchup? The big thing is knowing that they go one for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few of their cards let them go two for one, with the exception of things like Bone Crusher Giant goes two for one. 
and Crocs that goes two for one once they get it into play from the graveyard. Sure. But like the majority, like Fable is kind of a two for one if you spend removal spells on both sides of it. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they don't actually gain card advantage. They just wear your cards out. Mm -hmm. So decks that like do things like go over the top or play big splashy cards, right? Um, that generate more cards generally are like, like decks like Omnath, like the Omnath to light deck. It's super weird, but like, because their cards generally generate more cards, Mm -hmm. it has trouble with the Rakdos has trouble keeping up. Right. It's Uh, it's why you see spirits playing things like wedding announcement to Kasi's welcome. You just want ways to put more cards into your hand, into your hand. Yeah. Right. Which is why things like shaper sanctuary, which doesn't look like a good card, Right. But if you yeah. force the Rakdos deck to give you back a card when they play their efficient removal yeah. spells, they can fall behind in cards. Yeah. Uh, it's why I still think Phoenix versus Rakdos is the most interesting game you can play in Pioneer, especially since they've added Shieldred to the mix and like really kind of thrown that big, big bomb into the way. But like Phoenix can win the game pretty easily if they get to their big Treasure Cruise turns, where like. Mm-hmm. One card drawing three cards against Rakdos is like really, really bad for them because like they have to spend a card each time to like set you down a card. So if your yeah. if your cards are turning into two or three cards when you play them, you're able to just keep up with them and eventually overwhelm them with the amount of cards that you get. It's also why like you know we you traditionally I don't I don't know if this is still like the the rule of thumb, it's been fresh since I played Rakdos mid-range uh, and Pioneer, so I'm not, like, as up to sort of sideboard strats for the deck, but, like, it's why a lot of the times, traditionally, you would see, like, if you're playing the mirror match, you know, you you board out your own thought seizes in the matchup, and you start bringing in, like, the other card advantage spells or things like that, just because thought is dead late game against each other because you're already out of cards, and also um, you, you need, like, cards like your man lands and graveyard trespasser are what are going to win you the matchup because they like require extra resources to remove from the board. Exactly. Exactly. And like bank buster, like is now finally caught on in pioneer as well. Remember when I told you that card was really good anyways, yeah. Uh, because it just, it lets them draw three cards and then be a threat yeah. or at any point in time, it can become a threat in the midst of drawing cards. Right. So like, sure. And then, like, decks like Mono Green used to be a big problem for this deck because they play cards like Storm the Festival and they can, like, draw a bunch of cards and, like, Karn gets you another card and then you have to spend removal spells to kill Karn. Old so, Growth like, Troll becoming an, an aura. Becoming an enchantment and then becoming also another creature, right? Yeah. So they get cards like... That's why they play a lot of Extinction Event, Ritual of Soot, like, Wrath Effects in their board because against those decks that try to go over the top of them like that, they need to find a way to like get a three for one or get a four for one to keep mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. It's why Mono uh, Green is such a bad matchup. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to use this transition into talking about Mono Green? Sure. I'll talk about Mono Green. So, so Mono Green kind of is going through a revival right now. I mean, it's always been one of the top contenders of Pioneer, but un- really until Mom, I would say it's been a while since Mono Green was really a dominant force in Pioneer, right? Um, Turns out Pelucros just giving the deck another triple pip, like four or five with reach, um, is good enough in a lot of cases. Well, again, I think we've seen that five toughness is such a big deal in Pioneer, right? 
Um, and the other thing too is Reach is also very good. I mean, um, you already the deck already had a good matchup against things like Grease Fang, but now that you can kind of just like gum up the Parhelion for a turn and then let the Monogreen player untap just kind of get going again um, is is a big deal. And then of course, if you manage to flip it against Control, like Control could be a bad matchup for Monogreen, but now if you flip your Pelucranos, okay, they wrath you. You have two three threes again. Um, so the rest of the deck though is like Elvish Mystic, Lana Elves, Ultra Pelucranos, Cavalier Thorns. Uh, sometimes your main the main board kind of changes from there to select flex slots. You're playing some of the invasions. You're playing Cityscape Leveler. Uh, you have four Kiora, Behemoth Beckoner, four Karn the Great Creator, four Sword of the Festival, Oath of Nissa's, Wolf of the Havens, and of course, like our, our big Nykthos is. Um, this is the big mana deck of the four. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, they want to go one, three, Karn, activate A Nykthos. Million. Yeah. Just go off, right? Like, like I think it, it's exponential. Yeah, I think Invasion of Ixalan is actually like a super crazy card for this deck. Like, mm-hmm. it's way better than it looks because one, it looks at two extra cards than Oath of Nissa does, right? Sure. And it finds any permanent. I think Oath of Nissa is Wolf Willow Haven, right? Yeah, Oath of Nissa is Creature Lander or Planeswalker, which is fine. Uh, so Invasion of Ixalan can find more Invasion of Ixalan or your Oath of Nissa or Wolf Willow Havens, right? to dig deeper, but the main thing is it's not legendary, so you can stack them on the table and actually uh, yeah. increase your devotion, right? Yeah. For the one extra mana, which you have you have mana in spades, right? I think playing, like, the two and two Oath of Nisses and two Invasions, like, maybe even go to, like, three Invasions, because, like, that card, I think, is really secretly very good in this deck. Yeah, I think I think Pelucranos did a lot just in that, like, if you look at it from the perspective of, and this is not how I was looking at it at first, which is why it was lower on Pelucranos, but like we were playing Lovestruck Beast anyway. Mm-hmm. Massive upgrade there. This card has reach. It can right. block burritos, right? I mean, you saw spirits at the top of the top of the leaderboards for a couple weeks there. And now Pelucranos is doing a lot to help block the, and then, you know, flying creatures in general, right? Either whether it's Pahelion boys, spirity boys, whatever it might be. There's quite a few cards that have flying that hard to beat a four or five. So, you know, it, it does a lot, and obviously it's uh, more devotion for the deck, which is what it wants, you know? So again, if you were going to play that, if there's ever a card that comes up that's better, I think, for Mono Green, it's up to you if, if you're you going to place that it. or the old guard control, but... If you flip it, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I think at that point you've probably already won with, you know, with that much mana and stuff going on, but, you know, you don't have a ton of card advantage if you do not find your uh, Storm the Vestals or they get countered, or yeah. you whip off your Cavalier. Cure does enough. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, again, I think you've got lots of cards that look at more cards yeah. and find you other cards for a green deck, right? But I have definitely seen the mono green deck sputter out. They kept too much ramp. Oh, sure. Every ramp deck has that problem, right? If you find yeah. too much ramp, not enough threats, all of your threats, not enough ramp, your deck can look real dumb as you sit there and try and draw the other half. And you don't have a right. lot of early game draw power, right? I mean, you do now because you have the Oath of and Invasion of Excellence. For sure. I, I, I think that Oath of Nyssa, again, is not what I would consider like a premium a premium draw spell by any means, but it certainly looks for some of the missing pieces, but yeah. I don't think it's really like your early game, like, oh, look, I'm casting an Impulse, or I'm casting... Right. I think I think Pelucranos, what it also does for the deck is it makes that beatdown strategy a lot more of plan one than plan B, whereas, like, you know, for a while now we saw Karn combo with, like, Teferi staring at the sun, that was, like, our main go-to plan, right? 
Um, now we don't have to play bad cards. Now we don't have to play bad cards. I mean, what makes the deck is so powerful isn't just like, you know, Karn being able to loop Stone Brain. Uh, it's the turns where they, you get to activate Nykthos, play a Cavalier of Thorns, hit your second Nick, hit a second Nykthos, activate that one. Now you're flashing back Storm of the Festivals. Um, and that's what I think makes the deck so powerful is we've seen time and time again, you know, playing the deck, watching the deck, the board looks like nothing. And then you turn around and suddenly they have like 10 extra permanents in play and you're just like, what the hell happened? Yeah, one one untap and all of a sudden they've cast their Storm the Festival twice and that's gotten them enough permanence to just win the game, right? Storm yeah. into like Cavalier, Kiora, draws them two more cards, finds them a Nykthos, untaps, flashes back the Storm the Festival. This is the deck when you think about like uh, decks that want like just their one big turn. Mm-hmm. And that one big turn can come at any moment. It's very similar to old Tron decks, like the old Tron decks in old modern, you know, back when Tron was viable in modern, uh, where the best card in the Tron deck is the one on top of their deck, right? Like you can take their hand away. It does not matter. They're drawing into such big, stupid advantage cards, right? That like, they're just going to like, like if they draw Karn, it essentially gives them 15 cards to choose from that they just top decked, right? Like, if they draw a Storm the Festival, then they just, like, pop off. If they draw Cavalier of Thorns, they might find their Nykthos or another layer of the Hydra while also dumping more Storm the Festivals into the yard. And then also, just on top of everything, with the most efficient beaters, all this trample and, and just pure beef in play, they can just infinitely combo and kill you that way also. Yeah. So what do you do to combat mono green? Um, you got to, you have to kill the elf on turn one. Mm-hmm. Step one, kill the know elf when to hold them. Step two, then kill your opponent as fast as possible. As fast right. as you can. Uh, the real answer is you play mono white. Yeah. And you just run them over. Like it's, I, like I think those are, two, helps, but... those are two great solutions though. I mean, like you, you can go under them. Right, like they need some time to set up, and they do not. You know, I don't know if you guys know this. Despite what happens in all my draft decks, mono green not the most popular deck for removal spells. Right, right. You know, you don't yeah. have you don't have any fatal pushes. You ain't got no dread boars. You're not doing any of that. You're playing solitaire over there, and then hoping it's enough to overwhelm your opponent. So whatever threats you land are probably staying around. So hey, you land yourself a solid enough threat that can get through you some Pelucranoses and some old growth trolls and whatever else you can win the game that way. Um, and like Ricky also said, I mean, if you can, you can slow them down, you can present some solid threats in a time frame that, that stops them because they do need to hit a critical mass that turn where they untap and they go off. They usually have to have some number of devotion already sitting in play, usually four or five. And then the ability to activate a Nick those for, a good chunk of mana to like untap and do it again, right? At the point where that becomes profitable, that's where you're in trouble. But before then, if you can, you know, kill some elves, kill some devotion, um, ticks, pips, whatever you want to call them while presenting a couple threats of your own, they're going to die pretty quickly because they don't have any answers to your threats. This is once again, another deck where cards like Leyline Binding and the like ramp, like the big five color ramp decks have a really good case against, even though, they themselves are slower, grindier decks. The yeah. uh, the Rakdos decks have great answers with like Extinction Event because unfortunately you really can't change this. 
but all your cards are odd. Yeah, most yeah. of them are odds. Yeah, one to three. Yep. Cavalier's five, right? Yep. So, like, the you just get to really blow them out with that card. And then, I mean, I know it's not a popular deck, but, like, Phoenix decks get to play Thing in the Ice. And Mono Green's Resurgence is such a good reason to go back to four Thing in the Ice. And because of Polkronos, we can leave the Ledger Shredders at home. They're not important anymore. But if you flip Thing in the Ice and all their cool things go back to their deck or back to their hand, like you can generally put yourself into a pretty big position from there. They start from zero. Alternatively, a lot of people like to try to play Alpine Moon. Sure. Yeah, I think Counterspells, weirdly enough, like a lot of the tempo decks, I think, do well. Um, although I was just talking about how good Pelucranos is. Again, if you if you want to save a couple clutch Counterspells for a, you know, you know they have to resolve some key spells to win. So obviously if you have to Counterspell the Pelucranos, that's one more threat you have to answer. But You want to counter Storm. Storm the Festival is the big one. Like stopping a Storm, that's like they spent most of their mana, if not all of it, and did nothing that turn. And again, they don't have any answers for your stuff. So like being able to present some threats, counter a storm, the festival, that's also a winning combination. As strong as the deck is, I think it really does come and go because, you know, you usually, you play yourself, right? Right. You, you don't, you don't hit the things you get interacted with. A lot of times it can be kind of poopy to be like, well, because a lot of, a lot of people already understand that with Karn being in the format, you're not likely to just run into a lot of stuff and go like, Oh, look, my Karn wins me the game. Not a lot of matchups like that, right? Where, like, that's your way of interacting. Oh, Grease Fang. Grease Fang, yeah, tr- true enough. Absolutely sure. It stops some of that stuff, but they absolutely have more creatures to kill your... You know, they can present many other threats, whether it be... Wow. We're about to look at some Grease Fang lists, but I I don't know if you've seen, Chris, but they're down to, like, eight creatures in the deck. Yeah, it's a lot of it is a, a turbo Grease Fang combo now, but... Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure in this environment how much you can really rely on that. Really, like with these two decks in particular being the top decks, I think you have to diversify your threats a little more. And I almost think it's time to go to a deck that's a little more creature focused and relies less on the the combo where it's just like more of an oops, I win. You know, like hey, people are always fang, beautiful, should we fang, should we talk about Abzan Grease Fang? I let's talk about Abzan Grease Fang. We'll come back so, to Azorius Control, but Abzan Grease Fang. Yeah. This is a deck. Yeah. So obviously we've seen several different flavors of Grease Fang throughout Pioneer's history. Um, mostly Abzan and Esper. We saw a little oh, bit of dude. Mardu here and there, but then Mardu realized we're just a bad Rakdos midrange deck, so let's just go back to being Rakdos midrange again. They did get to um, play Fable. They did get to play Fable. Um, so what is this deck doing? So this is kind of like Pioneer's graveyard deck. I would say this is uh, Pioneer's pseudo reanimator deck because we're not buying back creature, buying back big vehicles, right? So our game plan is to put in uh, mainly Parhelion 2, but we also have things like Kasika's Chariot, uh, Sky Sovereign Constant Flagship, and then we play Grease Fang and Kiba Boss to get it out of the yard, crew it up, and just go face. And then we have a lot of other cards to uh, we have like Thoughtseize, again, because Thoughtseize is such an important card in the, in the format. Uh, then we just have other ways to kind of fill up our yard um, other creatures like Rafine's Informant, uh, Scrapwork Mutt. We also have cards like Grizzly Salvage and Witherbloom Command. And then you have a little bit of tutoring with things like Traverse the Uvamol to help go find those key missing pieces that you have. Uh, like Ricky was saying, this deck has kind of gone into just Turbo Grease Fang now. Obviously, cards like Isika's um, Chariot still give you a decent mid-range game plan, but we are just kind of go, go, go. 
this deck gets pretty there's some there's some ignorant builds of this deck this deck let me tell you uh uh definitely the meme of the bell curve where uh simple-minded is to just always cast grease fang go 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 and then enlightened is always cast grease fang go 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 right mm. it's really it. true people there are playing like main deck silence right now to just get their grease fang turn yeah i there was there was one rcq we played i was playing this is the one the other week and someone got turn three grease fanged right and the grease fang was just like oh man i'm sorry that was only the second time today i got the natural turn three Sometimes it's hard to be a uh, be fanging person, not you Nate, know? That's for sure. Yeah. Nate 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 is the fang gang. You know? Yeah. Nate's like the OG. We're gonna get him the fang chain for the fang gang. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and I'm I'm right there behind him, but um I really think that it is a, a more intricate combo deck because again, it is a creature combo and it's real delicate, right? Most of the cards, most of the red spells, and most of the black spells in the format kill Grease Fang. Um, including, you know, your mastery spell. What's the one mana one, Ricky, that you play in Phoenix? Uh, Fiery Impulse. Fiery Impulse kills it. Um, that new one, Magma Spire or something like that, the new one out of uh, March of the Machine. It's the new uh, version so of Fire Prophecy. Right? Yeah, there you go. Volcanic something, volcanic spite. Um, that deals three damage. I've played that as creativity versus Grease Fang a lot. So you're, a braid, you're, a braid. Yeah, your your combo is pretty fragile, and and you also really geist, like a jump. Yeah. yeah, something like that. It, it does take a well placed thought seize, I believe, um, in order to really make the deck its best. But you know, again, that's where I think, hey, a Seekers Chariot is still a really really good card, and players that know how to leverage their their backup plan, especially against removal heavily decks, to run them out of answers into then trying to play the combo, I think have a bigger advantage. But again, the there's a reason you don't see it a lot right now. The combo is incredibly fragile. Graveyard hate is answers. Mana really fifty dollars right now. What's that? Oh, you didn't know that mana yeah. conflicts are fifty dollars. Yeah. No, they've only been reprinted yeah. once. I, mean, I have there. a couple. I, I realize they're. They, I mean. I, I bought it when they were like 25, 30. I didn't realize they were yeah, up to 50. That last Dallas RC, the last yeah. Dallas RC, uh, and it wasn't an RC, it was just DreamHack because they didn't have the yeah. RCs yet. Uh, I went and bought all four of mine at like 25 ish. Yeah. That's not the time I bought mine. That's two thirds of a children, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, you know, what was I talking about before? If you're playing uh, black and white cards, you get access to some really, really good sideboard cards. So I think that. The deck's a little bit underexplored right now because it has quite a few flavors. As long as you're playing black, white, your third color. And again, I've been saying for a while, though I haven't had the uh, the gall to go play it yet. You might not even need a third color. I think you can just reasonably play a black, white mid range deck that that happens to combo. But again, you are limited a lot because green brings you things like Grizzly Salvage, red brings you things like Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and more blood token options. So, listen. Grizzly Salvage is the best card in the deck. It is. It is very, 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 very good. Don't get me wrong. It does everything you want. It's going to find you your your grace thing. It's going to put your Parhelion in the yard. So don't get me wrong. Like it's the you also can play Traverse Steven Wall, which is a card that I think is way underplayed in Pioneer. So there's a lot to the deck. It is incredibly strong. As soon as you get turn three, where you're like, oh, I lost the game on turn four. I think it's the fastest way you can lose a game of Pioneer that I'm aware of, unless like Rona, I guess, gets the nuts, right? Mm-hmm. No, like I think it's still faster. Like the big thing is here. 
Like, if your opponent goes Mana Confluence, Thought sees you go to 17 and takes a removal spell, they're then going to play and shock in a Godless Shrine. You do not tap your mana on your turn for the rest of the game. Because right. the end of your turn, they're going to Grizzly Salvage. And they are going to knock their Parhelion into the yard while getting their Grease Fang, play mm-hmm. that third fast land on the last turn it, it, it's viable, and play the Grease Fang, and then you lose. It's just that simple. That easy. And again, uh, if you've got if you've got uh, can't stay away, then you might just play that Grease Fang anyway, make them have it, and then, hey, you're going to can't stay away anyway, <laughs> you know? Right. But uh but either way, Ricky's right, right? You you have to play afraid, and that can be that can be really killer. So like a little bit of luck on your side. Grease Fang is one of the fastest kills, if not the fastest kill in the format. And I think it's a lot of fun. It's a really cool deck. It's a deck that I think makes a lot of sense because the pieces, other than the mana base being a little crazy, especially if you're playing mana confluences, it's not that crazy of an expensive deck to buy, right? Like it, you it is actually a little expensive. Uh Thought Seasons, Mana Confluences, and a lot of people play Children in the board. Uh, the children on the board would definitely hurt you, but again, if you got mana, most expensive, yeah. Uh, but again, I think I think those are optional. I, I I've seen a lot of decks. First of all, not play mana confluence. I, I don't think it's necessarily mandatory if you want to go out and play fun with the deck, right? If you're showing up to an F and M, do not feel bad if you don't have mana confluence. I, I think that's. I think you can ignore the the three most expensive cards in the deck and build the deck for a couple hundred bucks, maybe, right? Like Grease Fangs aren't that expensive, Parhelions aren't that expensive. None of none of the cards besides Thoughtseize, which I do think are mandatory, mandatory, are that expensive. And hopefully you have those already. If not, you could probably make it without those just to lulls around. But you know, if, versus or Middlebloom commands are they're going up too. I'm just saying, sure. get them. Yeah. You know, just, how many more ways could Chris be wrong? Let's let's count the ways that Chris is wrong. <laughs> I don't think I, I I don't think I'm wrong. I think I was very clear from the beginning of what my point was. I think Ricky did another. Oh, I've taken the draw one time in the modern oh, ad Nazi mirror. There's also think, you have to play four Liliana of the Veil. People play two in the main and two in the board. It's pretty standard. That's another eighty bucks. I'm saying this deck is good though. I'm not wrong there. Yeah, you're, you're right there, Chris. I still think it, when you look at like Rona being a thousand dollars, the red black mid range decks minimum being six hundred, because then you have to play Shieldred, right? You're not playing Rakdos mid range without no. the most expensive cards. I, I don't think I'm crazy, right? Like weirdly enough, the mono green deck isn't that crazy because mostly you're looking at Nyctos. Every deck's going to have their expensive cards. Um, again. I'll say it for the 15th time. The Grease Fang deck, the key parts of it that I think are mandatory are not that expensive to play. You have some expensive sideboard cards you can play, but, you know, again, I still think it's a reasonable budget option that's pretty strong and a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about Control or Mono White? Let's talk about Control first, then we can go to Mono White. Also, yeah, uh, did we mention just if you're playing against Grease Fang, just don't tap out. Yeah. Like, even if you don't have an answer to Grease Fang... Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not always true. Like, if you don't have an Make answer, you just gotta jam, right? Yeah. But like, there's times where you just cannot tap out because, like, you just need them to be afraid. Also, They're remember, fearless. if you have an abrade, sure, it can blow up the vehicle, but just kill Grease Fang instead. Not right. true. Real? It depends. Uh, it, it does depend. But the big one is if they have five mana. Sure. So if they have five mana and they play Grease Fang. And you have a braid, yeah, they or, sure. if, or they, if they or, can cast the can't stay away, then exactly the power word kill. You just let them go to combat, and you kill the Brahillion, and then you yeah. pray to find an answer next turn. Sure, 
pray to your fate. You don't have a way to crew it. You could still just kill the Grease Fang, put the Hyperhalion back in their hand, you know? That's also really good. This is better than for me. All right. Uh, all right. Break, break down Azorius Control for us. I'm not doing it. Azorius Control is a control deck. Hold on, I'm pulling for it up. People right. who want to have no funds. Uh, Azorius <laughs> Control is a kind of soulless deck. Um, you know, it's a deck that sort of, it's, it's got... It's uh, the Christopher Robinsons of the world who just want a vampire emotion, everyone. It's the only deck where Prairie Stream is a viable card you can play. Uh, it's the only deck that punishes really greedy mana bases, uh, aka the five color decks, because we play Field of Ruin. Um, other than that, uh, you play a Kahira Orphan Guard, so you can announce to your opponent that you are playing control before you start the oh, match. Right, right, right. Uh, and right. no other reason. Uh, and then you play uh, you play a bunch of like cheap counter spells and removal spells, things like Lay Down Arm, March of Otherworldly Light, uh, Spell Pierce Dovin's Veto make disappear, absorb, and then a few draw spells, be it Memory, Deluge, or Behold the Multiverse, Supreme Verdicts, Farewell, and you win when you take your Teferi and your Wandering Emperor, and then they kiss. Yeah. <laughs> you take that Teferi, you have your opponent turn that sideways, and yeah. shove it right up their candy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you can also cast a Shark Typhoon and then the game is over. If your opponent taps out for Shark Typhoon and then gets to untap, you've lost. Just pack it in and go to the next game. Good I day, think sir. the most important thing about playing against control is you need to know when you've lost. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying concede super fast. I'm just saying, but like, when you know that it's like, when they have applied their pressure piece or they have played their win con and you have nothing, just move along. Just get to the next game because this deck has a super secret extra win con. The clock. The clock. Where game two doesn't finish and oopsie daisy, I won the first one. Tough luck, yeah. kid. Uh, not implying that anybody is slow playing, but literally they are going to, I mean, they're going to control your plays until they feel what's going to happen at Alice is these decks were going to get a draw and they're start playing against each other and rounds are going to take forever. And you know, it's going to be Azorius control mirror matches that are causing the round to go 30 minutes over time. Every, every time I'm going to tell you that while this deck is number three on magic online, this deck is not going to be as popular in paper. No, simply because uh, draws can happen in paper and draws can't happen on magic online. In Magic Online, there's a chess clock. It changes things. It does change how the game is played. And I think the most affected deck by the chess clock changes, by the no-draw changes, is blue-white control. Um, And some people will be like, but if control's taking forever, wouldn't they be losing the game? They don't take forever. They play a land, they pass, it's your chess clock. They snap their removal spells down very fast. They might have to activate a Planeswalker and move to end step. I think think Midgo also has a easier predicted metagame than paper events will, which means you can tune your control decks for a lot. You can tune their control decks a lot better. Right. Yeah, um, I do like uh, lists that are running like things like temporary shutdown are, mm-hmm. are pretty good to, uh, you know, decks that are playing like maybe less Kahira. So that way sure. they can play. I mean, like, it's cute that you play Kahira and then you put like Brim Asses in your sideboard, but like uh, but we can't board like, them in with Kahira, right? 
Grimace is a cat. Oh no, we can't. Yeah, yeah we can't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I was, I was thinking, I was thinking Kahira was Zerda for a second. No, Kahira, and then yeah. you like your sideboard plans are like uh, real Cackroll. Cackroll, yeah, uh, yeah. The big thing is also in game two, you can just get got a lot of these decks in game two when you side out your removal. They're bringing in Lyra, Baneslayer, Boonbringer, Vamp, uh, Boonbringer, uh, Valkyrie. Uh, they're bringing in extra creatures, mm-hmm. and they're going to play a little bit more aggressively for the board. Yeah, because they know that you like. Why did you keep Fatal Push in? Why did you keep you know? I mean, like also like Rakdos, they just don't have answers for angels. Yeah, like Lyra, Baneslayer, and uh, and Boonbringer, Valkyrie, like. They don't die to Fatal Push, and they don't die to Power Word Kill. Kill, yeah. And they don't die to Stomp Giant, so how are you beating them, right? Dread Boar Bust. Yeah, and a lot of people are cutting their Dread Boars. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think you uh, nailed it exactly. I think this is a deck that, in the hands of the right players, is incredibly powerful, and in the hands of everybody else, please do not build this deck. If you are new to Pioneer, I keep telling people, people can still pick it up, and they're great people. Like, so, some of these kids that I'm seeing in Locals are very, very, very nice but at the at the end of the night, when you're one, one, and two, I'm amazed at the excitement that I that I do hear from that. Again, uh, I, I love it. Play, get better, do what you want to do. But the the draws I think are pretty are pretty tough. Not only on the opposing player, which I, I do think you should be considering at locals. Um, I, I for one believe you should be considered of your opponent, and that's the place to make friends and things like that. But it can be really hard to get better. Because you're playing, like, your main goal is to play fast. And and that's the first thing you have to learn as a control player. And a lot of people forget that. A lot of people are trying to figure out lines and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's great. If you want to be a good Magic player, you know, and you're trying to play control, playing fast is the number one thing. Think on your opponent's turn. Your turn, you're not doing much, just as Ricky said. And that's the difference between the good players and the bad players. Uh, I Every tournament I've been to, the control player, except for one, was like, you know, zero, zero and three or like zero, one and two. And then they, like I said, they played against you. They, they weren't winning much because the deck, I do not think is super well positioned, especially against a lot of Rakdos decks. Um, but also like Ruckman pointed out, you take a ton of draws in person. I mean, it, it's a ton. And then you get played against the other control players and that mirror match is miserable. Um, I, I cannot recommend not picking up this deck <laughs> enough. Uh, I really don't think it's it's where I would want to be starting. And I keep I keep seeing people do it, though. I keep seeing people do it. They're picking it up. They're like, I want to be a control player. I'm like, if you want to be a control player, play like a five-color deck or something. And then, again, I keep seeing the the results as as I'm exactly predicting them and going, all right, you know, hey, it's it's what you want to do, but uh, not the place you want to start, I think, at Pioneer. All right, so if you do run into control, what are your, what are your, what are the things? How are you, how are you handling this matchup? Uh, against control, I would just uh, hope you got some man lands. You want to? It's super weird. You need to get clocks down, but you don't want to overcommit. Mm. Attack their hand, play on their turn when you can. That's the best. You want them to spend their mana on their turn. Their turn, yeah. Because every turn they get to untap and pass, they have all their mana to mess with your sorcery speed plays. It's like the old adage, especially as a an old burn player from way back when. The old adage against control was like, what you do is you don't play your creatures on your turn unless they have haste, and you try to play your instants that burn them on their end step, and if they yeah. spend their mana to stop you, you get to build your board. Well, I'm trying to think back to, like, Pharaoh standard, right? Or it's just like, 
they they're gonna have to have that turn where they tap out. So they tap out to play their Elspeth. You just go like, okay, Boros Charm, Boros Charm, untap, strike, strike, you're dead. Yeah. Right. Like you're you're trying to like I mean way back you know you're trying to like play your lightning strikes and play your uh your skull cracks or whatever um on their end step and if they have to if they decide to play their counter spell then or tap their mana then you untap and you hazard right like and then they can't win um a lot of the cards though that are good against control are good against other kinds of decks and you don't really have to over sideboard again it's not a significant part of the paper metagame but really if you want control to fold there are more ways than ever because significant hand disruption right control needs to hit their land drops because they've got a lot of expensive spells they're really they're really important spells start at like five mana you could if you want to be control buy bring a book called time management for dummies and just right. put it in front of them. Right. They're defeated. Right. I mean, they're they're defeated. There's <laughs> something to be said. I mean, one of the most memorable games of my life was against a control deck where I look up at the start of game two and 40 minutes have gone by and I'm like, great. Honestly, in the second game, I don't have to win. I just have to not lose. And I played right, to not make, lose. I didn't play slow. A judge was watching. We were the last match to be playing right a judge was there present i didn't slow play my opponent but i made sure that i wasn't going to lose and my friends were around me i think ricky included and was like oh man the draw and i was like no i won game one <laughs> this this into the draw i've won the first one i win so again your time management and knowing how to play against control just as ruckman said can be very important but any amount of disruption to their game plan or these days think of how many protection spells they printed in the last like two years Lorance Escape, Hexproof Indestructible. How many Hexproof Indestructible cards are there Invasion now? Invasion of Goba, uh, Cobra Kai. Yeah. Invasion of Cobra Kai. Just destroys control. Right. Like there's there's just many... back. Yeah. So like you... back, right? There are so many ways to blank the one-man removal spells. And again, if, if, your, if your cards are cheaper than theirs, then a lot of times you win that mana advantage. Because again, one of the reasons control isn't that powerful is like the sweepers aren't as good. You can just play more threats, right? The threats are way better. There's so many more powerful creatures now than there were a few years ago, right? Everybody's joking, oh, spells are the, are the way to go. They have been for a long time. Creatures are so strong now. So, you know, I think I think your answers to control are a plenty. Disrupting their game plan, protecting yours, it's that simple. There are now a million tools to do it, and they're good against Rakdos also, who wants to one-for-one you, as we just spent a long time talking about. So I think there are plenty of ways to beat control, unless you're a creativity deck, and then you just cry. Then you just cry. You you have a uh, an almost. Right out dispute them. You can try. Dovin's veto is a hell of a card. You know. Oh, that's true. Uh, I think the more deserving fifth pillar of pioneer, fourth pillar of pioneer, the yeah. actual fourth beetle is not Ringo. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's mono white humans. It's mono white humans. So now this we're going to talk about from this. Nope. Oh, Good. I think this deck is getting slow off the ground in MTGO, uh, but a lot of the grinders in uh, Texas have been ultra high on this deck right now. I don't know if you guys know this, but like a lot of Houston is on it right now. A lot of Dallas. Uh, on a lot it. of Houston's on right five color. Um, all the Houston guys were testing this this list uh, okay. for uh, at the PTQ. I was at. They just sat around when they were eliminated. They cheered on their teammate, and then they sat back down and they played this matchup. But, I'm, uh, I'm, honest, I'm thinking about it this weekend. I'm, I honestly am. This deck got a ton from the last two sets, yeah. including Aftermath. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. I, this is probably the most improved deck, probably 
the only improved deck from Aftermath. I mean, look, Niv is Supreme is really funny in, in Niv Delight, right? But like, Coppercoat Vanguard is an insane magic card. It is kind of absurd when you give your Thalia Ward one. Yeah. Uh, absolutely wild. So this is a beatdown deck. This is this is the aggro well, deck of yeah. Pioneer. Yeah. So we're, we play cards like Dauntless. We can play some good one drops like Dauntless Bodyguard. Hopeful initiate recruitment officer. Uh, now we have, like I said, some very powerful two drops like Thalia's Lieutenant, Lunarch Aspirant, Thalia Guardian, Thraben, uh, the new Coppercoat Vanguard, giving all your humans plus one plus O in Ward One. Right. What's up? You're looking at this list, right? Which one? I just sent it. This is the list that I'm talking about. The, this, yes, this the is exactly the creatures. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we get to play a couple stinkers like Brutal Cathar and Knight Errant of Eos, which I'm not super high on. I like uh, the Knight Errant because it goes up in cards. Adeline is a house. That is and a course, understatement. And then, of course, we get two Brave the Elements because sometimes you just want to push damage through against Mono Green. Right. Uh, sideboard, pretty straightforward. Portable Hole, Invasion of Cobra Kai, Ossification, Rest in Peace, and Wedding Announcements. Uh, this deck just wants to turn cards sideways, and nothing will stop it from doing that. You get to play 22 lands with four Mutavolts, uh, Castle Artevale, Ijongo. Some people yeah. are playing Sheffit Dunes mm-hmm. to just like push us that further just if we forward, flood. Yeah. yeah. Um, this deck is, I think, very strong right now. Yeah. Um, thank God Coppercoat Vanguard says other. Other, or, yeah. Oh, wait. Or I think if, this deck would be broken. <laughs> if it gave it to itself, yeah. Yeah, if it itself had Ward 1, thankfully you can try to pick it off. Um, the key to this deck is just playing as many Wrath effects as you can. Yeah. But unlike unlike the Extinction event, like unlike Mono Green, this deck has a lot of 1s and 2s. It has evens and odds, right? Yeah. Uh, zero is also even, so your tokens, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, Adelaine can be gotten with Extinction Event on odd, but her tokens can't, and a lot of really weird situations with that. Um, this deck is also just absurdly disruptive with things like Thalia. Yeah. So, um, I think this Thalia deck is... a lot. I mean, non-creature spells, that's uh, battles, sagas, right? Right. There's Your own battle? Right. The backside of battles? Backsides of battles, indeed. Yeah, you have to cast those cards, right? Right. If they're not a creature. Yep. So, I mean... Um, That's the only Nambo. Is the Gobacon, if you flip it with Thalia, you have to pay an extra one. Yeah, the Kuzakon is not for everyone. But I, I think this deck is very good. Expect it yeah. when you're RCQ grinding, and I expect it at the RC. I think it's going to make yeah. a big splash, and I like Night Errant. You do, all right. I I haven't gotten to play with it. I just thought it was good. I mean, I, I guess it does fill your hand up. I just think like you just, you just need to convoke one. It's really just to just to replace it with one thing, right? Like Adelian has vigilance too. Like yeah. no, 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 you, you don't. You always get two. Do the you? amount you convoke is is how high the mana cost can be of the cards. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you convoke one. You get two one drops from the top six or seven of your deck, right? Six, yeah. Um, if you can ever in, 
if you can ever convoke two, then you get sure. two cards. Like, you don't miss in this build. 36 creatures, right? Yeah. And then it's a decent-sized body, too. Right? So, mm-hmm. I like the card. Um, it also doesn't die to Brotherhood's End by itself. Sure. It's a very good card against this deck. The only thing I would think to change is, like, I think I want a third Brave somewhere in this sideboard. Yeah. But, like, we can be fine with just two Braves. This deck is aggressive. If you play this deck, my suggestion to you is to read a lot of old articles about playing aggressive decks and really kind of, like, learn the whole uh, don't be afraid to swing, even if you're losing creatures, because your time on this uh, board is not... It's not It's not long. Right. Here for, a, here for a good time, not for a long time. Yeah. How, how, do you, how, how do you beat this deck, though, Ricky? How do you beat this deck? You play every Wrath and you play Thing in the Ice. Uh, I think that all of my success with Phoenix is because people get really high on this deck because it's very good. And then I'm the loser that shows up with uh, like 12 one-mana removal spells, uh, three Wraths, and four Thing in the Ice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, here's another deck that's not not presenting a lot of answers, right? And doesn't even play that much protection. So if you can interact with its game plan, which is obviously not the most popular thing to do in Pioneer, then uh, then you're in great shape, right? Answer the most powerful cards mm-hmm. and present your own threats. And boom, here you go, right? I mean, if you, how, how does this deck beat a, uh, a Pelucranos? You have to get a big enough Adeline and hope you can swing around it. But there are, there, there are certainly, most decks have a game plan against aggro, especially out of the board. Yeah. The thing with uh, the Mono Green matchup, I think that makes this the best matchup, right? Is because they don't play removal. You can just sit until you brave. Mm-hmm. Just and then just yeah, like you can sit until Wait. you until you brave. And this deck deceptively has a lot of answers with Brutal Cathar and Giant Killer. Yeah. And then Brutal Cathar feels like, bad in some matchups, but it it will do the job in taking things off the board at least for a turn. Yeah. We'll do your job sometimes, that's sure. No, I mean, I, I think the aggro deck is a good deck, right? It catches a lot of people off guard, a lot of people trying to do anything janky, a lot of people who aren't as familiar with their deck or what your deck's doing. Um, but again, the answers are the answers are certainly there. You know, no, for sure. Most it's, uh, not, it's not unbeatable, but it is uh it's it's strong. Yeah, yeah. It, it can build the deck fast, right? I mean it's it's it builds board fast. It's one of the decks that I think, like again, you know, you want to talk about play draw. Here's one where you really, really would like to be on the play because, again, mm-hmm. presenting threats is really, really strong. Your both decks are trying to win by attacking, and you you're usually afraid to attack against this deck, right? Most decks are, even if you're more of a mid range strategy, you're trying to take on the control, or if you're just on the draw and you're another creature deck, you have to play the control side of things just because you you know you went second so here's a instance where i do think play draw can matter a ton again combo decks do go around this i think combo decks the few that there are love to play against decks like this but a lot of your other decks have a reason to be a feared right one way or and this, another you know? this deck is dirt cheap yeah right. two hundo two hundo you know? you're in as are some of the other i think aggro decks i think um you know again so there's, decks, there's a lot of decks that I think are similar to this. Maybe they're slight downgrades, but that are good, really, really good budget jump-off points of the format. Which is a good transition to next week's episode, where we're yeah. going to talk about all of the Tier 2 and 1.5 decks that we like. Yeah, so if we didn't talk about your decks, if we didn't talk, obviously we didn't talk about Spears, we didn't talk about Lotus Field, we didn't talk about Creativity, the Enigmatic, or the five color builds. All those decks, tune in next week, we're going to talk about all those decks, break all those down. But this week was our big crash course into the decks that you are for sure 
going to see at least once in your RC Dallas experience. Pillars most, of the format. Yeah, most likely multiple times. Uh, not to say you won't see the decks we're talking about next week, but these are the ones you for sure need to come in and start preparing for. Um, anything else before we go to the Patreon mailbag? Nah, let's, let's wrap it up. All right. Uh, of course, this episode is sponsored by Patreon, patreon.com slash crew3mtg. We have several tiers available, uh, including some point soon we need to record our ranking every card in Aftermath. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe we do that thir- Wednesday without Chris, and we'll just knock that out of the ballpark. I don't know if Chris has strong opinions on Aftermath or not. We'll do it live this weekend. Do it live. We can do it live. We're gonna watch. We're gonna watch uh, Fast Furious. Yeah, you got a whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, anyway, of course, uh, besides each tier's got different kinds of rewards and bonuses for you all. But every tier it gets access to our Patreon mailbag, where every week our patrons ask questions, which could sound like this. This comes from L Cappy Seven, who asks, "What do you credit crew through survival of Inverter Winter, and then immediately after COVID nineteen?" Um, this sounds like the the cheap answer, but honestly, um, well, number one, I do want to say thank you to Tulane Community College and for all the shouts there. That was definitely a, a big help in keeping us, getting eyes on us in the beginning. Um, but really what kept us going was word of mouth, and I feel like our just awesome community that we built in our Discord group. Um, everyone there has always been super chill, super awesome. Obviously, we were able to run webcam events and keep everyone engaged in the format, keep everyone going. Um, and I just think like we didn't give up on the format during that time. And we just became a home for people looking to get engaged with the format that a lot of people just kind of gave up on that people still had a big interest in. Real answer, the webcam events, the webcam yeah. monthly is what kept us alive. Yeah. Uh, best answer. Uh, we lived entirely off of Chris's good look and jawline. Even before video podcasting, yeah, I think I think I'm the I think I'm the lowest denominator in this equation. To be honest with you, right? I mean, um, Ruckman put a ton of work in, as as everybody knows, and and he will tell you on you know editing, um, keeping other content coming, things like that. Ricky had honestly connections and just uh, a beard and and some legs <laughs> weird and legs that uh, that don't quit. But the connections Ricky got us having works in. I'm going to call it industry. That's a stupid word. I apologize. But, but what the content creation space, I guess, because, and ultimately we're not greedy, right? Like we don't do this for a ton of money. We produce every week for fun consistently. Same time, you know, there's going to be a crew three episode unless it's a major holiday. We tell you up front. So we have consistent content. We like each other a lot. Yeah. Right. We can play magic but together. Please keep up with Patreon. The money does help. Yeah. There's a lot of expenses. I have, plans. Like, I have plans with the money. Yeah. Right. We, we we would love you to get your friends. We love our patrons, obviously. Uh, uh, so you know they keep the show going for sure. But as far as what keeps us going, right? Like and in, in it, um, though, like those are the main factors, right? We had Ricky's connections and know how Ruckman put a lot of tireless work into it, and I just show up every week and uh, and have a gag or two sometimes. But that that Chris was a big one, right? Along and gets the girls, right? As long as the girls, there's there's a certain amount of uh, luck involved, I, and like they said, there's a certain amount of people who just didn't want to take interest in the format. It was taking away from their their cool modern thing, and they didn't want to really explore it. Or the people who were exploring it, I don't think had the, you know, a lot of what we talk about is a lot of people who are somewhat newer, 
And I think that's a big, big help, right? Being a new format, I think it's a great launching point for a lot of new players to get in the format, especially if you're launching a competitive thing where like, hey, you just got at a commander, you want to look at a competitive format. And I think we really have that decades and decades, many, many thousands of years from the Shadow Realm of combined experience to help people mm-hmm. who are where we were 15 years ago. Egypt, yeah. Yeah, so that's an old running joke uh, on the show, right? The amount of experience I kept uh, adding up to us, but we have a ton of it, right? We have a ton of uh, Magic the Gathering competitive experience, judge experience, things like that, and that could really help people as a launching pad into their competitive uh, adventure or just having fun with the homies playing some Pioneer, right? You like to play a lot of decks, this is the format for it, so. Good question. It's been, it's been, uh, this, is, this is episode 175 this week. Yeah. It is, it has been a ride. I... I th- I can't. Th- it's so hard for me to think about the fact that we've been doing this show for over three years now. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. Like when was our anniversary? Last we November. That? Yeah, remember we started we started at uh, almost uh, Thanksgiving time. You know what's funny? One of my friends told me who listens to the podcast. He's like, I tune in every week. He's like, it helps that you all have good voices. Yeah. He's like, you're, he's like, you're easy to listen to. That's not me. I don't know if that's true or not. Right. I I, I have a. A small speech impediment, but uh, he he said that made it easy, and it was a good friend of mine. He wasn't like he wasn't trying to gas me up. Was like, oh man, you guys are great. You're hilarious. You've got the sweet yeah. magic takes. <laughs> it was just like the problem is we're three white guys that all sound the same to a lot of people. <laughs> right, exactly right. Yeah, people are like, oh great, great job, Ricky. I love you. And I'm like, no, I'm 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 Chris. Actually, that's I'm Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, Chris uh, I'm Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah. I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Spartacus. Yeah. Anyways, good question. Good question. Yeah, good question. We're not wow. crying. You're Whoa. crying. Whoa, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel's got two back-to-back blockbuster movie releases with Guardians Three oh and Fast. Wow. Oh man. Truly one of the actors of all time. You know. That's right. He sure he is does a man. Every language of Groot. He does. Literally. Yeah. He sits yeah. in that. He sits. He does more work on Guardians than literally anybody else because he sits in that booth. For, and and wrote a, like a, and uh, ADRs every single I am Groot in every language that the movie is released in. Yeah, and he gives make converts and takes. They made a mocap it again. No ADR is like where you watch the, the. Yeah, you're trying to match the mouth movement. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, gotcha. See, yeah. see, he doesn't. Really, he doesn't, he doesn't, suit, he doesn't suit capture Groot. No, I don't think he's. I don't think Vin Diesel's ever stepped on the set of Guardians. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. That, that would cost too much. All right, my wife's struggling to put a printer together, so. All right, all right. All right. Well, that will that will be it. All right, gentlemen, where can everyone find you on the socials? Hey, you can find me on the socials at it's underscore Christmas, mostly on Twitter. Uh, I don't I don't do too much with uh, Twitter these days. We, is, is it time for still like migrate to like Mastodon or something like that? Is that is that happening again now? Is I'm everyone? Twitter. I still want the Twitter. Give me yeah, all I'm, the. I'm on Hive. No. <laughs> That's dead. Yeah, find, yeah Chris, just... find Chris on his grinder profile at Dreamhack Dallas. That's exactly yeah. right. At Jun Pile. At Jun Pile, yeah. All right, you, Ricky. Find me uh, at also Steve on Twitter and also on OnlyFans uh, at Jun Pile. Um, do not look that up. That's not me. Anyways, uh, you can also find me uh, streaming once a week on the uh, twitch.tv slash crew3mtg. Probably stream um, Wednesday night, maybe. Maybe I'll stream tonight. Who knows when I'll stream? It's a mystery to everybody, including myself. Yeah, uh, of course, I am at Crew3Podcast, and I'm working on video content for the Crew3 YouTube channel. Um, I'm going to hopefully have the the wife judging Magic Cards out this week, but uh, it is DreamHack prep 
and I am busy, busy, busy printing off hundreds of different sticker designs uh, that you can pick up from us at DreamHack. We've got we've got full sticker production line going, so we'll have uh, a massive amount of stickers to hand out. So be sure to find us at DreamHack. Also, uh, I'll be doing a streaming session from DreamHack, and I'm happy to announce uh, my streaming segment will be an, a new edition of C3W Pioneer Wrestling, this time featuring the Phyrexian Invasion. Oh, bring me the JR hat. Wow. Bring me the no, JR hat. I'll sit, I'm I'll sit JR. There. I'm JR. You've always yeah, I, been Jerry the King Lawler. I'm Jerry oh, the King Lawler, very clearly. I guess not. No, Ricky's definitely Jerry the King Lawler. You, you all are right. Chris has yeah, always been the man on the floor. I've always been, yeah. yeah. I've always yeah. been Eric. No, I've, been, I've been JR. You've been Jerry the King Lawler. Although the problem is it's, they might not let a second person in the streaming booth. They will. Yeah. I've seen people discuss it. Okay. Ask they, Bear for an extra chair. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll make sure I get an extra chair. I, Other, out, I asked to be the extra chair first, but I, I will say yeah. You're going to be LC are much cuter, very much smaller people than us. But I feel like the same rules should be applied. Uh, no discrimination. <laughs> no matter how. I'll, no I'll, matter ask, how. I'll ask Bear for extra chair, but Chris did ask first. And I know you're going to win on your first LCQ, but you need to grind at LCQs. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We'll so, figure it all out. I yeah. still need help. If, if you're still listening at this point in the podcast, thank you. I still need help figuring out what I'm going to do. I need people to help me decide if I'm playing like Classic WoW, doing a talk show oh. discussion. I, I accidentally signed up for a stream slot. <laughs> it was an accident. I thought I was signing up for us. Just give your slot up then. No, no, no. I wanted to keep it. Play League of Legends. No. Ricky, what Play were you going to say? Play League of Legends, and then after you lose, just stream you digging through Mobifier articles for, like, the rest of the time. <laughs> trying to find out why you lost. <laughs> I use this Mobifier build. How lose? Yeah. How lose, <laughs> yeah. Top-rated platinum Mobifier yeah. build. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait till that VOD's on the YouTube channel. Maybe this well. is when we stream Ruckman Plays League of Legends. There you go. No, there you go. not in the I public. I can show you how to, too much I stuff can show you how to ping the question mark button and yeah. just make people tilt for no reason. Like somebody <laughs> just does something, spam question mark, ping them, and watch them fly off the handle. It doesn't matter what they did. Just do it. They're going to be instantly triggered because it's the most infuriating thing. Why uh, Riot decided to introduce it to the game, I cannot tell you. But just spam a couple question mark pings randomly and watch your teammate just fall apart. Whole team will just start attacking each other. It's a fight from within. Yeah, the it's best also is on politics. Dying in the enemy jungle and then question mark pinging your dead body. <laughs> <laughs> question mark teammate. Question mark ping your teammates who were in their own lane farming, doing what they were supposed to do, but then be like, "Why no help?" Bot diff. You know, <laughs> just yeah. it's uh, it's a no classic. map awareness. No map Garbage awareness. Team. Come on, Garbage. Uh, Actually, Chris, what I, what I need you to do is just to open up One Piece tier list and start talking about neg diffing and how good the admirals are and just how Akainu would ruin every other uh, – Akainu would punch holes in Naruto and Goku because they don't have hockey. I've never watched the One Piece anime. I've only had Ricky describe it to me. I would I love, love – I, I would love when he's trapped. I would love to make a One Piece tier list revolving around my made-up yeah. One Piece lore. Right, we'll yeah. do that. We'll do that for extra life. This year. Like I'll just, I'll just make up the absolute wildest nonsense about yeah. One Piece 
and just tier list based off that, right? On this character right. and their fake lore. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's end this up. Let's have this up. We're going to watch Film Red, though, during uh, one of the house nights. All right. Uh, We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.